Blog Talk Radio.
everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Apostle Ed Everly. I'd like to welcome everybody here in the United States and around the world who are listening to the broadcast tonight. And let's ask God's blessing upon this broadcast here, okay? Heavenly Father, I just want to praise you and lift up the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you to forgive us, forgive me, forgive each one of us of anything and all things that we have done, any sin in our lives. Forgive us and cleanse us, Father. Open our hearts, our mind, and our ears for your word. And, Father, speak to me tonight. Use my lips to speak the word that you would speak to each one of us, Father. And, Father, I ask that your anointing would just flow through these airwaves right here and touch people at their points of need, whether they need to be saved, healed, set free, delivered, uh, need an answer, need uh, uh, answer the questions, family situations, finances, whatever it might be, Father. I ask that you move mightily over this airline tonight and touch people right where they're at. Because, Father, you tell us in Psalms 46.1, you're a very present help in time of need. So, Father, I would just ask you to touch those tonight that are looking and need that touch from you, Father. Now, Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank that you're going to move mightily in this audience tonight. In Jesus' precious name we ask and we pray and we thank you, Lord. And they all said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Well, hallelujah. Here's another night to speak and teach God's Word. You know, uh, tonight, I uh, wondered what I was going to be ministering about, and this is really something we need to get a hold of more than anything uh, in this day and hour, more than we ever did. And to recognize what this title is, it's called You're a Voice of Authority. You know, you are a voice of authority. You really are. You might say, well, I'm not a voice of authority. Oh, just me. Oh, no, I'm not that. So-and-so is, but I'm not. Well, let me read a scripture here in Matthew 7:29. And this is speaking of Jesus. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, when Jesus went into the temple, the scribes, Taught. They did their way of teaching in, in the temples, but they simply, as they were scribes, they just simply were cut and dry. There was no authority. They just said words. But when Jesus spoke, he spoke as one knowing and having a power and authority, knowing who he was and where he was going, you see. There's one thing about a person that speaks. Some will just speak and just kind of just falls out of their mouth. Others will speak with authority that you know that, hey, they know something. There's something about that man. There's something about that woman. And that's what it was with Jesus. He drew their attention, you see. It's an attention drawer right there. Now, we're going to learn about this authority. Okay, uh, let's, what is authority here? First of all, authority, the definition of it is it's the power to give orders to make decisions, the power or right to direct or control someone or something. Okay, what uh, is ability, the word ability? Ability means dunamis force, literally or figuratively, specifically miraculous power, usually by implication, a miracle itself. Ability, abundance, meaning might, deed, worker of miracles, power, strength, violence, mighty, wonderful work. The Holy Spirit is the enabler. Okay, now, I'm going to link something with that right there in this verse that I'm going to read to you right now. It's a very familiar verse, but this is exactly what uh, 
the meaning of this is. But he, Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Judea, and all Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That word power in Acts 1-8 means ability. In other words, the ability to do something. You see, the word power, as we read in there, there's two really definitions for it, but they go hand in hand. First of all, we have the authority. God has given us the authority to use his word. He's given us authority, you see, to use that word. Now, upon having the authority... You have to have the ability to accomplish it. And uh, I'm going to explain it in something like this, and I use this most of the time that I explain the difference. Well, actually, what they mean, authority and ability. The Lord gave us the authority because he gave us the great commission to go forth and to minister the gospel, right? Okay, he gave us the authority to do that, all right? The authority says, you go do it. I want you to minister the gospel, to speak of things, to teach people what I've taught you. Okay, he said, I want you to do the things I did. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He cast out devils. He raised the dead. He performed miracles. He did all types of things. He showed mercy. He showed grace. He showed love. He knew for the future what was going to happen. He spoke things to people that only he would know, like a woman at the well. He knew that she had several husbands, and he spoke many other things, you know, prophetically. Okay, the ability, that's the ability to do that. He was given authority. You see, he had authority to do what he did, but to uh, have the authority to do it, you have to have the ability also. Or to use another illustration, it might be a little bit easier for you to understand. It would be just like if I would work for a car lot and I would uh, be told, say, the owner would say, hey, go out and, and buy 10 vehicles for me. Okay, he gave me authority. I need 10 vehicles for my business. He gave me authority. But could I really go out and buy 10 vehicles? Not unless I had the money, right? So he would have to give me the ability to pay for those vehicles. And that's the same with the Lord in in the Bible, the Word of God, is we're going to really be able to put into understanding a little bit further down the line because we've been given this authority to do as he did, do as the apostles did, to do the mighty works. He's told us to do it. We have the authority. He's ordained it for us, but we need the ability to do it. And that's where we saw here the ability was the dunamis power, worker of miracles, strength, wonderful works, you see. And it says the Holy Spirit's the enabler. Okay? So we have authority. We have ability. Okay? And he said we receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what he was speaking of with that, he told the uh, the first uh people, 120 in the upper room, to tarry till they receive the, the power of the Holy Spirit, not to go anywhere, but to stay there. Now, we don't have to tarry for that power any longer because the Holy Ghost is here because Jesus sent the Holy Ghost when he went back to the Father. He said, I'll send you the Comforter. So he sent the Holy Ghost, you see. When the Holy Ghost came, he baptized them in the Holy Ghost. And of course, they spake with tongues. In the book of Acts, what we, we saw right there, we heard as we read. Okay, he gave them that there. He said, but he, he said, don't go anywhere till you receive the Holy Ghost power, you see. 
So that's what he's saying to us today, that we need empowered by the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit to be filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost, because that's the equipment we need to go forth by the enabler, which is the Holy Spirit. So it's just like if you'd be a contractor, you wouldn't send your men out and go out yourself with nothing uh, in your hand but maybe a pick and a shovel, and you had to dig a, a, a foundation, lay concrete, everything, you know, pour concrete and build the house. You wouldn't go out just with a pick or a shovel. You'd have to go out with heavy equipment. you do all types of tools, all types of hardware. You name it, you would need it. You were building a, a, a house or a business or whatever it was, some type of a building. So you see, we have to have the equipment to do the job. And the thing about the Lord, anytime he has us do anything, he always equips us, and he equips us by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Okay, why do we need uh, to have a voice of authority? Why do we need this power? Why do we need this authority? Well, reason being, we're called to take dominion, aren't we? You've heard that word, we're to take dominion, take over things. We are given dominion over the- <coughs> Excuse me, over the earth, aren't we? We're given dominion. Well, to have dominion, that takes the authority. He said, I'll give you authority for that, but I have to empower you to be able to take dominion because you don't take dominion without being empowered. So that's what it's for, to take dominion. Okay, you'll say, well, dominion over what? All right. Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We have authority over everything on this earth, every animal, every fish, every bird, and we use uh, many of them for food. Some are used for beauty and everything. We, We have the for us, you see, we have authority, we have dominion to take care of them and to use them for, uh, many of them for food, you see, and uh, that's what God gave us, to have dominion over that. So we have the authority to do that because they're ours. They were created for us, you see. They were created for us. All right. After that, what's the other thing we have dominion over? Uh, Luke ten nineteen and 20. But I give you unto you power to tread over the ser- on serpents, and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We have authority over the devil and demon spirits and all forces of darkness would try to hurt us on this earth. God knew that we needed to have that authority because we are attacked by these evil forces in ways, different ways. But yet we have the authority in the name of Jesus to cast the devil out. He says in the book of Mark, the 16th chapter, we cast out demons, we speak with new tongues, we lay in hands on the sick and they recover. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you, and things, situations and things like that. We've been given supernatural authority and power to live on this earth because God knew we would need it. There's going to be things that we face from time to time, and without that we would be hurt, wouldn't we? That's why the Bible tells us in Isaiah 54:17 that no weapon formed against us will prosper. It can't prosper because if we have authority over it, the weapons, and the weapons come from Satan or evil forces, darkness. If we have authority over him in the name of Jesus and they're subjected to us, how can they hurt us? If we're the elephant and they're the mouse, how can the, the uh, mouse hurt the elephant, you see? We've been given that. 
Because, you see, the Lord went back uh, what Adam and Eve was stolen from them by the devil through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the three temptations that, that Eve failed. They failed in these things. Jesus actually brought that back when he was uh, fasting on the mountain for 40 days and he was tempted three times of the devil. There's very three things that curtailed every sin on this earth. Every sin on this earth is under one of those headings. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 2.16, uh, 1 John 2.16. And anyhow, what happens is he overcame that, and he actually told the devil, he said, as it is written, as it is written. That's how he answered the devil. In other words, he didn't talk to the devil. He spoke the word of God against the devil when the devil brought these things up, tempting him. And that's what we have to do. We have to use the word of God to deal with the devil, not speak or talk to the devil or try to reason with him or take anything to heart that he would say. Okay? So we have the authority over the enemy. We have the authority over the enemy. Now, there's another thing that we have authority over that really is actually more important than that because if we don't have authority over this, nothing else will work in our life. And you know what that is? Authority over ourselves. We have the authority over our wills. And the Lord gave us that authority again at, at the cross when he shed his blood. That's part of the salvation. But the particular time that we were given that authority over ourselves is at Gethsemane. Whenever he was uh, standing there before the Lord, when he was there kneeling before the Lord, rather, uh, he was uh, getting ready to go to the cross. And he, he said, Father, said, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he agonized over this, that actually blood vessels burst in his head and blood came down his head, ran down his head. And that blood that Jesus Christ shed was the very blood that gave us the authority and power that we have over ourselves. In other words, I don't have strength enough over myself to do something, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, because the blood of Jesus paid for it, and gave me that ability, I can have that authority. I do have that authority. I have to use it, though, you see. He bought that authority at Calvary, and he demonstrated that when he said to the Father, not my will, but your will be done as far as going to Calvary. Now, <clears throat> what he went through there was he didn't want to go to the cross. Nobody would want to go to the cross, but yet he said, not my will, but yours be done. So you see, he was submissive. To the, submitted to the Father's commands, you see. And therefore, I can be submitted to the Father's commands. I can be submitted to all right and good things in spite of what I feel like doing, what I don't want to do, or what I do want to do, you see. In other words, I'm to reckon myself dead, the Bible says. Now, if I reckon myself dead, that means that I can't and wouldn't do anything that I shouldn't do. Now, we have to not only reckon ourselves dead, but maintain being dead when it comes to the challenges that come against us in life, that we don't yield to what we want to do instead of what the Word of God says, what God would have us to do, you see. But we have to take authority over ourselves. Sometimes we have to just grab ourselves by the shirt and say, hey, you're going to do what the Father wants. You're going to do the Word of God. You're not going to do what you want to do, self. You have to take authority over yourself because before you can uh, be led by God, before you can uh, please God, and have him lead your life and control your life, you have to have control first because if you don't have self-control, 
God cannot control your life because you're going to do what you want to do, not what he wants you to do, you see. And that's exactly how that works. So we must have control, and he but that self-control at Gethsemane. And, of course, that, that's the whole plan of salvation because Jesus shed his blood seven times, but it was all during that time that he went to the cross right there. And, of course, the blood that he shed at the cross, everything paid for all this right here. Because salvation is more than being born again and ready to go to heaven. That's the most important thing. But it paid for everything in our spirit man, our soul, which is our mind, our intellect, and our ability to do right and wrong, our will, and then also our physical body. So it was paid for everything by salvation. That's the complete package deal because we're spirit, we're soul, and we're body. So everything and anything was given to us at salvation that we would ever need now and through all eternity. We have it all in that sense of what we have need of from the Lord, you see. So we have to take authority over ourselves. But there again, it's a will thing. It's what we will, you know. A lot of times people say, well, God do this, God do that. Well, see, God can't do anything if it's against your will. You have to give him your will on it because that's one thing he purposely took away from himself is to take authority over your will. But when you give him your will and you mean business with him, that's when the Holy Ghost power comes upon you to accomplish whatever it is, where you're being delivered from something, whether you need to do something that you don't want to do, whether it's something hard and difficult to say or do. He will give you the strength to do that, enable you to do it, which you wouldn't normally have as long as you say, I will to do that, I choose to do that. But he won't force you to do it. He doesn't do that, you see. You must give him your will and say, I choose to do it. Because all things that God does to you is when you will to do them. Otherwise, he would have created us like the angels, which have no wills. But he wanted to create uh, beings that would come to him because they wanted to, not because he programmed them that way or forced them in to do it. Because we are free will agents. But the thing about it is, even though we're a free will agent, we will give an account of what we did with our will, you see. What we willed to do, what we didn't do. We're held accountable. God holds us accountable. So we have to keep this in mind with our wills. Even though we're, we're self-willed and we have a free choice in what we do, that's true. But we'll answer for every choice that we made. All right. We take authority over ourselves. So we have dominion over the earth. Uh, we have also authority over evil forces and the satanic forces, the devil, all darkness. And we have authority over ourselves. The one thing we don't have authority over is over somebody is over somebody else's will. In other words, you don't have authority over your wife. You don't have authority over your husband. You don't have authority uh, over another person, you say, because you cannot take authority over what they want to do and you force their wills. That's witchcraft, you see. That's something that the devil tries to do. He tries to take a person's will and force their wills. But God doesn't do that, you see. So you don't have control of anybody else's will. Now, people try to manipulate, manipulate people. People that do this is witchcraft. That's what it is. It's witchcraft. So this is wrong, you see. So never try to force somebody's will. You encourage people, but you never force their will because this is wrong. And something else i like to mention right here. Uh, many people talk about authority and everything and uh, power, and they'll be speaking. <coughs> they'll be speaking about people, uh, the powerful men, women of God of the past, and the Bible, and everything. And that's good. That's fine. 
But a lot of times, you ever notice, they don't talk about themselves being used. They're talking about a great person. Somebody that's a mighty man, a woman of God. But, you know, you have to look at yourself. Yourself. You were created. You were created by God and empowered by God. And you are given a voice of authority if you choose to pick it up and go with it, you see. It's there for you. He created you to do that. He ordained that for you, you see. And everything that i said thus far right here uh, is what he wants of you, and that's what he created each and every one of us to be. But we must choose to do that. And what happens in our lives, uh, many times people will not look at themselves as a figure as a mighty man or mighty woman of God, one that is a voice of authority, one that will walk tall, stand tall, and speak boldly, know where they're going, know where they're coming from, and know what's going on, and not be intimidated at all, knowing that the greater one's inside of them, and they can do all things through Christ, knowing that they're more than a conqueror, know that no weapon formed against them will prosper, know they can walk in peace, they walk in the joy of the Lord, knowing all things is given unto them in heaven and earth. You see, you must know these things in your heart because that's what creates. That's what creates you and makes you into a person that you aren't going to say, well, brother, so-and-so this, and sister, so-and-so that. You're going to use the authority that God has given you to do mighty things. You see, these men and mighty women and men of the past or men in the Bible, if they would have said, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that and never did it themselves, they would have never done it, would they? You have to get your eyes off what others are doing and what you've heard them do and start getting your eyes on what God wants you to do, knowing you have that same ability, that same anointing. Because everybody was given the measure of faith, not a measure of faith, but the measure. We've been all given the same amount of faith. But the thing is, how we use it, how we develop it, is up to us, you see. So it was given to you and I, that measure of faith. And we have to use it. We have to dare to take the Word of God and, and watch God use that Word through us and in our lives, you see. That's why he said work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Because what that is is just simply taking the Bible and making it a reality in your life, not just what you believe and what you can quote, what you agree with and what you say amen to, but something that works in your life and you can testify of it. You can take a scripture and yes, God did this through me. Yes, God this did this to me. I've seen God do this. He said this. He said that. In other words, it needs to be a reality to you. You don't just believe it, but you have to know it. And when you know it, that means you experience it. Before you experience something, you believe it. You believe it. And then, of course, by faith, you have to receive it. You receive it by faith. Faith. The biggest thing is receiving. But then, it's no longer believing it after it manifests yourself. What it is, I know it now. It happened now. In other words, I was healed by the Lord. God's power healed me. I don't just believe he's a healer. I know he's a healer because he's healed me, and that's what I'm saying now. I've been healed of many things and situations over the years. So I know God is a healer. Not, I don't just believe it. Sure, I believe it. But I know it for a fact because he's done it to me. And that's what he wants you and I to do, to take his word for our benefit in our own personal lives and how we minister to others, praying for others praying for those that need to be saved, healed, set free from various things, need direction, whatever it is. In other words, he wants to use you as a vessel, as a tool to show his love and his power in and through other people's lives. And that's what it is. So you don't have to talk about so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. 
you just think about what God wants to do with you. You see, that's the important thing because you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty woman of God. You are already in the eyes of God, but you have to accept that and start to walking in that and making it a part of you. Now, we're going to see uh, how do we do this. How can we come to that place where we speak like Jesus did in the realm of boldness there, and it's one with authority? Well, you know, it began <clears throat> really with the centurion. The centurion, uh, when his man was sick, you know, he was uh, one of his uh, soldiers, and he came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, would you pray uh, for my, my centurion's sick? He's sick, and I need, he needs heal. Would you uh, pray for him, say uh, prayer for him? Well, Jesus said, hey, he said, I'll come to your house. But the centurion said, I'm not worthy that you come to my house, but I don't need you to come, Mary. He said, I'm a man of authority. I speak and people go. I speak and people come and they'll do what I tell them to do. And he said, I know you're a man of authority. All you have to do also is just say that word and it'll happen. And what did Jesus say? He said, you truly are the straightest faith. This man has the greatest faith of anybody that I've seen in all Israel. That demonstrated faith because he didn't have to have him come there. He didn't have to come home with him. All he had to do was just say that word. And if it speak that word, it was done. And that's, that's the, that was faith, wasn't it? That was faith. So he had that faith in Christ right there, you see. And when you have faith in Christ like that, in him, in his word, that means you have faith in his word, you are going to speak like a man with authority because you're going to know who you're speaking about, the one that has the authority and has given you authority also and is going to perform things through you by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak boldly because you're going to know, hey, he's going to back me up. I can speak the word of this person being healed, this person being set free because the power of the Holy Spirit is in me and he's directing me to do this and he's going to do it through me, you see. He's going to do it in my life. He's going to do it through my life because you know that when you get to know him like that, the way he knew the Lord right there. Okay, and then there was no Bibles in those days. There was manuscripts and things like that. But Jesus was on the earth, and he had heard about him, and he, he, he simply believed him and trusted him. All right, how do we come to that place, though? How do we come to a place where we actually uh, can be bold like that? What do we have to do? Isn't there something we need to do? Yes, there is. There's five steps that I have right here to that. And the first thing would be, Make sure your stand is scriptural. Make sure the Bible backs it up because God does not have to answer anything that's not said in the scripture. If it's not scriptural, God is not responsible for it. In other words, everything that you ask for must be scriptural. And here's two verses I want to read to you. First John five fourteen and 15 These are the most simple verses in the Bible to understand prayer and receiving. Okay, these two verses, First John five fourteen and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What is his will? His word is his will, right? His word is his will. The will of God is his word, the word of God. They're synonymous. Okay, if he hears us, let me read that again. And this is the confidence. We are confident. We know for sure is what that means, that if we that we have in him anything we ask according to his will, he hears us. So if we ask anything according to what the Bible said, he hears us. It's done, right? God's not hard to hearing. He believes it. I mean, he hears it. He knows what we're asking, right? And then it goes on to say, 
if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desire to him. Hey, he, I asked according to the will of God. He heard me. Now I know that what I ask him, I have of him. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Whether it happens immediately, a day or two, or a week or two down the road, or whatever it is. In other words, it's a sure thing. When you ask God something with a pure heart, if your heart is pure with the right motives, no unforgiveness, no sin in your heart and in your life, but you're asking for the right motive, not to uh, be like if you ask for the material thing, we'll say, and uh, it's to make people think you're some big somebody. Well, see, that would be the wrong attitude and motive. You do things in the right attitude and motive. But the pure heart, no unforgiveness and the right motives, according to his word, uh, it's sure. When you say it, it actually began in heaven right after you uttered those words out of your mouth. Whether it manifests right away, we don't know. But the thing is, it's done whether it comes out right away or not. And what you have to do by faith, receive it. Just receive it like it's handed to you, whether it's handed in your, your physical hands or not at that time. And when you do that, you're accepting it as a done deal. And you consider, I got it. I got it, because the things you desire, desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four, right? Okay, you believe you've got them. I got them now, even though they're not manifested. I got it. I got it. It's mine now. I have it now. I got it. And keep believing you have it, and thank God for it. And don't be repetitious asking him for it again. Accept it that you have it. You don't keep asking and say, I thank you for it. I got it, Lord. And the next day, the same thing. But that was just like when you got saved, you asked the Lord into your heart, and then you didn't go back the next day and ask him into your heart again and keep doing that. There's a point in time in our lives we have to come to the place that at that moment we put our feet in the sand or our feet on the ground, dig them in the dirt, and say, this is it, I've got it now, and I determine this is my time. When you go to prayer and faith believing to receive it and faith receiving, you're saying this is it. And you choose that time. You see, you choose the time that you're going to believe it. You choose it. God doesn't choose that time because you must be at the place saying, I believe right now I'm going to pray and I'm going to call this the time of my receiving. Whether I see it now or not, I call it my time and I receive it now. And if you ask it according to the word of God, you can consider it. You can, you consider it done. And what you do, you wait with patience. You wait with patience and you keep your words the same say, well, I have it. It's by faith, I have it. It's mine by faith, and I thank you for it, Lord. Whether it's healing, whether you feel healed, whether your body still hurts and you're bleeding for healing, hey, I'm healed by Jesus' strength, not by my feeling, but I'm healed because by the word of God. God's word says, by his strength, I'm whole. So I'm whole, no matter what I'm seeing or feeling. And as you hold on to truth, not allowing circumstances, negative thoughts, Negative words coming out of your mouth. If you hold on to that, you've got it. Okay? <clears throat> Develop an intimate relationship. Well, it's true. We need an intimate relationship with God. It says in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. In other words, I need to know the Lord. How do I get to know? have a a friend person, okay, a, a human being. How do I get to know that person? Spending time with them, right? So guess what? We need to spend time with the Lord in prayer and meditation, reading the Word, thinking about Him, meditating upon Him. 
And as we do that, he reveals himself to us more and more, and we learn of his ways more, how he does, learn to hear his voice better. And we just, we just, he becomes clearer to us, you see. He's becoming clearer and clearer to me every day. I learn and grow each day because he just becomes more real, more real, you see. In other words, as I decrease, he increases in my life, you see. So I need to spend time with him. I need to spend my thoughts and, and my energies upon him, seeking him first. So we need to develop a, an intimate relationship. Okay? The next thing, use your faith in God's word as a lifestyle. Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, right? But one step beyond that is a lifestyle. It's not just a relationship even with Jesus, not just a relationship, but it's a lifestyle that you base everything in your life upon, all your decisions, how you live, how you act, how you react, what you do. We're, we're to base everything we do on that right now. We're to base everything we do on that lifestyle, you see. What would Jesus do? Is he pleased with how I'm acting? Is he pleased how I'm reacting? And we all can say there's times that he wasn't pleased the way we acted or reacted, you see. And that's why we need to really keep ourselves under subjection to him and say, Lord, help me to live the way you want me to live, you see. And recognize it's a lifestyle. Conform to his image. We are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we that happens to us as we take the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, 23. And as you read those nine fruits, they're fruits of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit enables us super, supernaturally to walk in those things, you see. But they must be a part of our lives, you see. They must be a part because that was the character of Jesus. And that's what... His character was, and that's what our character must be for us to be in the sight of mankind and God's uh, eyes what Jesus was, you see. That's how we look like Jesus. And then through the gifts of the Holy Spirit were his abilities. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to empower us with those gifts several as he will in order to accomplish the task that God has before us, you see, in power, you see, casting out devils, healing the sick, whatever it might be, you see, the supernatural things that Jesus did. Because he said in John fourteen twelve, the things that I do, so shall you do, even greater things will you do, because I go to my Father which is in heaven. Okay? <clears throat> the next thing, and this is so very important, a lot of people will miss this one. Faith in Jesus Christ and his name not faith in our faith. Uh, and, you know, there's a scripture right here in Acts 3.16. Uh, Peter and the apostle were there when they healed the lame man. It beautiful. They tried to give them the credit for healing the lame man. And this is what Peter said to the people right there. This is this verse I'm reading, Acts 3.16. He said, And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is in him hath given his, this, him this perfect soundness in presence of you all. In other words, the lame man was made well, and he could walk, he was normal. And I'll read this again. And his name, that's the name of Jesus, and through faith in the name of Jesus, made this man strong, 
who you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Faith in Jesus Christ and his name is what heals people, gets people set free, gets people delivered, turns lives around, turns people around, turns everything around. It's Jesus and in his name. So when you're praying for somebody, you're praying for yourself, get yourself out of the equation because you have nothing in it. You can do nothing, okay? He said, in my name, the Father will do what you ask. Ask the Father in my name and he will do it. And that's simply what it is. Going to the Father in the name of Jesus. So they didn't see themselves there. There's nothing about you and I going to the Father in the realm of our name. We go to the Father in the name of Jesus. We don't use our name. We have nothing in it. But we have the name of Jesus and faith in Jesus for what he's going to do in our life and what he's going to do through our lives, you see. Our faith is in him doing it, not us. And that's where a lot of people really miss things because they say, oh, I never could have the faith to do this. Oh, I could never have the faith to do that. They're looking at their own faith, their own ability. Get yourself out of the picture. Don't think of your ability. When you're asking for things from God for others, whether yourself, others, or no matter what it is, see Jesus as the one. He's the one. And in his name, Lord, you said that I'm to come to the Father in your name. And I see that right now. I'm going to the Father in your name, and it's you that paid the price. You bought this for me. So in your name, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare whatever you're praying for, you say, in his name. But remember, it's by his name and his power. See, if you don't think that you have to accomplish it, there's no pressure on you. That's why a lot of people are pressured. They think, oh, my heavens, how can I do this? How can I do that? Because they're, they're playing how would they do it. They're using your you're using your thoughts and ideas, you see. But God says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, his ways aren't ours, but they're above our ways, you see. So that we're not even on the same page as God by our thoughts and plans because he has ways of doing things that, that we don't know and don't think about. And that's why we have to commit it to him and allow him to do it. So therefore, if you don't have to figure out how it's done, there's no pressure on you either because you know he's going to do it. But keep your, your mind and your heart open to hear from God. He might have you say something or do something. But if he says nothing to you, that's it. You always just want to keep that radio on in you, that spiritual radio on. Those ears open to hear what God's telling you to do. Sometimes he tells you to do something. Uh, like uh, years ago, many years ago, I used to tithe off the net instead of the gross. And we, we tried to sell a house. It was over a year, a long time ago and wasn't uh, able to uh, sell it. But uh, I was at prayer one evening, and there was before a meeting I was preaching at, and the Lord told me, he said, uh, I want you to agree to pay off the gross, or pay the gross, it was off the gross instead of the net in your income. This was on a Sunday night. I agreed to that. I said, okay, Lord, forgive me. I will tithe off my gross instead of my net. Well, when I did that, that would have began on Friday because I didn't get paid till five days later on Friday. But on Wednesday, two days before I even was able to put it into action, guess what happened? The house was sold in a way that we got exactly what was fair for us, and the buyer got what is exactly fair for him, you see. So that was the perfect deal. That was a God deal, you see. It really was. We both got the right. We both got a bargain, okay? And that's how God worked it. But it was because there was something I needed to do first. A whole year, there was no bites on it at all. I mean, absolutely zero. Nothing happened. 
one year later, three days after I agreed to do this. You see, there's certain things sometimes that we have to do or we aren't doing or we need to do or maybe quit doing in order to receive something from God. That's why we have to be open when we pray for any instruction because uh, we always need to be ready for that. Okay. All right. The next thing, be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded, okay? Second Timothy one twelve, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. In other words, I know what I committed to him is taken care of. I have no fear or doubt or, oh, Lord, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? No, I know. I walk boldly. I know you're going to do this. I know I can trust you. I'm fully persuaded, so therefore I'm a man of authority. I'm a man of a voice with authority that people would see it. They would recognize, hey, there goes a man with a voice of authority. That's an authoritative man. He's a man that, that I want to see what he's doing, where he's headed for. And like Paul told him there again, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. But never follow a man. We always follow Jesus, but then I can say myself, follow me as I follow Christ. You could say it, too, if you're following the Lord, if you're truly following him, follow me as I follow Christ, because you're all following Christ. And that's what it's all about, you see. We're following the Lord. So we see in this whole uh, message here that you are a voice of authority, but it's up to you to attain being that voice of authority. In other words, you are called to be that, so you have to step up the plate and say, yes, I'm a man of authority, or yes, I'm a woman of authority, whatever your your situation is. But we use men, you know, because men, you usually think of that. Okay, well, you call use myself as an individual. I must step up to the plate and say, yes, I'm a voice of authority. I have authority. I have that voice. Then I must be filled with the mighty baptism of the Spirit. I must recognize what I, that I've been given the authority. I've been given the authority to do things that Jesus did. Then I have to recognize and realize that I've been also given that ability. In other words, I've been given the authority to heal the sick. I've been given the authority to cast out devils, raise the dead, whatever it might be as as God sees fit, all right, as the Holy Ghost directs me. I've been given that authority. But I know as the occasion arises, as I actually do those things, that the ability is there. God's ability is in me, his anointing, his power to do it. And this this is what it's all about. And after that, I recognize that uh, I have dominion. I have dominion, first of all, over myself. That's the most important thing that I've got to get in order is personal dominion, that I'm not being led by my flesh and by emotions or my own thoughts, but I'm being led by the Spirit. I'm not led by my own self-centered will. I'm being led by the will of God, okay? And then I have authority over the devils. I have authority and dominion over the earth. The fish, the birds, and things that are read right there in Genesis. All right. Then I have to realize, hey, I don't have to talk about other mighty men of God because I'm a mighty man of God. I can use that authority. I'm to use that authority and ability and do the things that he told me to do. And as I do those things, you see, what happens is you see more and more, and you grow in these things. You become stronger. You see more mighty, mighty works and everything, and you recognize, hey, I'm operating like the apostles operated. I'm operating like Jesus operated. I'm, I'm growing. I'm learning these things. He's showing me mighty things, you see. 
And and that's how, how you walk in that. And then after you do that, uh, you see that, hey, this this is this is true. This works. But these other five little things that I said that we need to be a part of right here is make sure everything we do is scriptural and we have the witness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts because the two will complement one another. Uh, sometimes you don't always know the scriptural part that will back it up, but then you get a witness of a good thing in your heart, even you might know all the scripture about it, okay? Just like when you were first saved, you didn't know the scriptures uh, that well. You were growing and learning, but there's certain things you knew inside. I just need to do this, or I just need to stop doing that, you see. Well, that's what it is, the witness of the Holy Spirit. And as you grow and go, it's the Word of God through the witness of the Holy Spirit. And you develop a personal relationship with him, but spend time to him, learn him more and more, you see. And then you use your faith in God's word as a lifestyle. In other words, it's not just uh, on church or going going to church or doing church work. It's how you uh, live your life, how you act at work, how you react at work, how you live in your family, how you live at home. Everything is based upon the scripture, your whole lifestyle, your whole life. 24-7 is supposed to be according to the Word of God, not just time that you're ministering, like myself as a minister, as I minister to people all these things. It's not just during this time. It's supposed to be every time, 24-7. We're to have a lifestyle of Christianity. Now, my faith is not in my faith, or my faith is not in anybody else. My faith is in Jesus, and in his name all things will be done, you see, because he has... God has given him everything. He has control of everything, you see. And my faith is in Jesus Christ and using his name. Okay? And then I need to be fully persuaded. And that means if I'm fully persuaded, one more little item in closing, if I'm fully persuaded, that means that I have to know for myself. I'm not just believing something because so-and-so said it or this one said it or that one said it or whoever they are. Because I must believe in my own heart. I must be fully convinced and persuaded in my heart, hey, this is what this is right. You don't take what other people say and say, well, hey, this is true because so-and-so said it. Make sure in your own heart, because I'm going to tell you something, if you take something because so-and-so said it and you aren't fully persuaded in your own heart, but you just say, hey, I believe it because so-and-so, a great man of God or a great woman of God, whatever it is, well, what will happen when you're challenged for that, you won't be able to use that because they were fully persuaded. You heard them say it. You heard them preach it and teach it, but it isn't part of your life. They've got it, but you don't have it. You've got to get it. So, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you have to, to recognize that you need to dig for yourself. You need to get things for yourself in your life and, and learn for yourself, not taking people at their word, but verifying it by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be fully persuaded, you see, to look at these things. And a lot of people that are listening and listening to what other people say and going by what this one says or that one says, not knowing for themselves. They just go with what their pastor says or whatever. But, hey, you've got to know yourself. So make that uh, your goal. There's too many people who are not doing that. That's why there's a lot of false doctrine. That's why there's a lot of people who find out they can't make it because they're they're basing their faith on what somebody said. And they don't have it for themselves. You have to develop faith in your own life. And these few things that I spoke about tonight are things that will get you on that track and get you to the places you go forth. You're going to become stronger and stronger. Amen? Okay, I've proven these things in my own life. I've seen these things work great things. I've seen... 
I'm not going to get into testifying like, but over the weekend we had a, a, a supernatural, powerful, life-changing mountain experience uh, as we ministered to to a man, and uh, it's it, uh, it just powerful what God did. I mean, it's supernatural, and these things work. And you know, God has shown me more and more. Uh, a lot of times we uh, people get excited the great things He does, and I do. I really praise God for it. But to me, it's becoming more of a normal thing. I'm starting to see these things as normal because, hey, God is God. It's not a big thing when he, I mean, it is, don't misunderstand me. It's just like uh, raising the dead. Uh, it's just like performing, turning people around. It would, you never thought I had a chance. Healing somebody who was on their deathbed. People getting saved. It looked like it was an impossible deal. People changing their minds, turning around. You never thought would ever happen. Uh, all types of various things that look like, hey, I, I, I give up on that new way, you know. Uh, well, you see, God is doing those things. And is it a big deal? To God, it's not. You see, it's a big deal. We see it ourselves. But shouldn't we expect those things? Because isn't our God a big, loving, supernatural, good God? Shouldn't we expect those things? Shouldn't we see him as that, knowing that he isn't a man? But he is God, the creator of all things. Shouldn't we see him in that power and recognize he is in that power? He is empowered, and he has empowered us. He's given us, us this great treasure and earthen vessels, and all we have to do is dare to use it, you see. We have it. We have it. We have it within us, but we have to release it by applying it to our lives. Peter released it whenever he started to walk on the water. He did something phenomenal right there, okay? But it was through the power of God, you see. Jesus bid him come out in the water. He did. If the Holy Ghost would bid you to walk in the water, you could do it also. Anything that the Lord tells you to do, no matter how impossible it is, you will successfully do it because it's not you doing it. It's him doing it through you. See that you aren't going to do it. Say, Lord, I'm trusting you to do this, and I, I can give you a lot of experiences over my years, many years experiencing God, how God has done that. And it is amazing when you think back of what he has done. He said, my strength made perfect in your weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My strength made perfect in your weakness, you see. So he says, let the weak say I am strong. So what my weaknesses are, if I commit them to God, he can make his strength perfect in my weakness. If his strength made perfect, I'm no longer weak there. So I need to commit my weaknesses to God that I won't have any weaknesses. That's why I let the weak say I'm strong, because you let him all, have all your weaknesses, you'll no longer have weakness, right? That's why the Word tells you, let the weak say I'm strong, because you will become strong as you trust God in that. Because he loves to show people that are at the very bottom of everything, raise them up to the very top. He loves that. You know, that's what it is. He uses the foolish to confound the wise. He chose uh, the 12 disciples. Uh, they were rugged men, fishermen, tax collectors. They were certainly no jewels as far as society. But he uses those kind of people because he glorifies himself in that because they aren't looking at some polished, great person where they would appear like, hey, they're, they're good people. They can do it. That's why he picked them. No, he uses the ones that you say are the least likely that you would never pick because he wants to make a jewel out of a rock. He wants to take an old, ugly rock and make a diamond out of it, you see. He wants to put that rock, whatever, on his wheel, hone that thing as a potter, 
and make that a beautiful, beautiful piece for him, you see, a beautiful being for him. And that's what he wants to do in each one of us. He wants to make us all look like his son. His son is the image that we're to be patterned after in all that we do and everything we do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you. Your word is truth. I know your word is encouraging to all of us to be and improve ourselves in every area. Like Paul said, I press toward the mark of a high calling in Christ. Not as though I've attained, but I press toward that mark. Lord, that is my confession, too. That's what I declare. I'm pressing toward that mark to be more like your son, Jesus. And I pray, Father, for the audience right here, right now, Father, empower these people by your mighty power, by your Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit empower these people now. Oh, yes, just lift your hands up now. Just raise your hands up. And in the name of Jesus Christ, ask the Lord to baptize you with his Holy Spirit, to empower you right now, empower you to do the impossible, empower you in the name of Jesus. In other words, Lord, I give my all to you. I ask you to give me the power to live for you. That's what I did back in 1971. And he baptized me in the Holy Ghost. Lord, I give my whole life to you. I give it to you right now. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Then I just commence to pray, praise him. And it might be your tongue will be a little bit, uh, feel a little bit funny. It might be a God or whatever, but just, Allow that worship to come out because you're loving on him. You're praising him. You're reaching out to him. You're loving on him and just raising your hands and praising him in every way. And and it it will happen, that empowerment, that empowerment, because he wants that for you because he wants to use you. He wants to use you. And he's called you and he's declared that over every man, woman, boy, and girl because he wants you to be a voice of his authority. Amen. Okay, well, listen. Uh. I shall be back in uh, two weeks, I believe it is, because I do the uh, second and the last Tuesday of every month. And I just uh, ask you to keep us in your prayers and everything. We're going uh, involved in a lot of things now, a lot of situations, circumstances, and we need your prayers. My wife and I need your prayers because we've become so busy and so much great things are happening, but we know how much more we need your prayers because it's becoming more and more and more and more intense, and we do need that. We need our prayers for personal things. We need your prayers for empowerment and things because uh, we are very busy with many things that we're doing. So please lift us up in prayer, and uh, I will be back, Lord willing, in uh, two weeks, I believe it is, uh, and uh, we'll have another message for you, what God has for you. But the most important thing is this, you and God. You go to the Lord and just let him direct your life. Just give your life to him completely. Because my job is simple. It's simply bringing people to Christ. Because once you are connected with him, the Holy Spirit takes your life. The preacher doesn't take your life. The Holy Spirit does. We're here to guide, help, encourage, and to teach people how and, and various things and to get you prepared as warriors. But it's the Holy Ghost is the one that empowers you, the Holy Ghost is the one that gives you that ability from within you, you see. So therefore, you have it within yourself by the Holy Ghost. So all we do is hook you up with the Holy Spirit. So okay, folks, for you all have a 
blessed uh, week here now. We'll see you in two weeks. I love you all. Good night, everybody.